Hello everyone, and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hoden, I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the beautiful Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the Word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And more details are available on our website, which is www.refinerylife.org. Now, we know some things in life are optional, while others are essential. And today we're continuing our series with the focus on Paul's letter to the Philippians and its great imperatives or great urgencies for Christian living. And today we're discussing an imperative or an urgency regarding grumbling. And for those who aren't sure what an imperative is, it means an essential or an urgent thing. The text we're concentrating on today is Philippians 2, 14 and 15. It says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And the scripture readings we'll work through are actually Philippians 2, 12 through to 18. Now in the midst of a number of great affirmations and challenges to the Philippians, Paul gave voice to a negative imperative, a negative urgency. It comes through loud and clear that the saints would not bring glory to God or happiness to themselves if they joined the griping and complaining committee. Have a look at it. Do all things without grumbling, without questioning. It's talking about the apostolic council. He's talking about don't grumble and don't complain about the church, about the pastor, about each other. To properly understand the significance of, of this imperative, about whinging and complaining. We need to examine the context. Paul was speaking to his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, some of them were his sons and daughters in Christ. He wished for them the highest and the best the Father God had for them. He desired the personal satisfaction of seeing them fulfill God's purpose for them. And this is what your church and your pastor wants for you. If it's not what he wants for you, You're in the wrong church. We should see the personal satisfaction of seeing you fulfill God's purpose for yourself. And this would be a source of joy to the apostle, not only during his life, but also in the day when Jesus Christ comes to receive and reward his followers. In this passage, let us notice the work of God within us and let us consider the response that we should make to him. Firstly, let's look at the good work of God within us. This verse contains the good news of God's personal presence in the heart of the believer as an individual and within the fellowship of the church as a collective body. God is at work in you, it says in Philippians 2.13. This is good news, letting us know that our great and eternal God is not an unmoved, unconcerned creator. He is the God who has come in the person of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to work his good work within us. Paul had spoken about the beginning of this good work in Philippians 1.6. 
He also spoke of the consummation of God's good work and some undated time in the future in Philippians 3.20-21. In the meantime, God is at work to deliver us from the inward corruption of a sinful nature and from the contaminating effect of the crooked and perverse world in which we live. God works within us to help us choose the right. God energizes us to do the good and the right. God wants us to be blameless in the midst of a sinful world. It is His will that we show ourselves to be unmixed and unadulterated. God wants us to be without fault or flaw in the midst of a sinful world. As we manifest these characteristics, we prove ourselves and give evidence to our contemporaries and our friends that we are indeed the children of God. God wants us to shine in the darkness. It tells us that in verse 15, our light points others to the way of God. And God wants us to hold forth the word of light to those in spiritual darkness. Our Father God is interested in doing more for us than merely giving us a ticket to heaven and saving us from an eternity in hell. It is His good will that we demonstrate the traits of our heavenly citizenship in the present. He wants us to guide others away from the life of no faith that leads to ruin and eternal separation from Him. The proper human response to God's good work is the next thing we should look at. How will we respond as individuals and as a body of believers to the good work of God within us? Paul makes some very positive suggestions. First of all, he suggests that we be obedient in verse 2.12. Jesus affirmed that we give proof of our genuine discipleship by being obedient to the commandment of love in John 13, 34 and 35. He also declared though, you are my friends if you do what I command you in John 15, 14. There is no substitute for obedience. Your good works, your feeding the homeless, your praying for people is not a substitute for obedience. It is impossible for God to accomplish his purpose in us or through us if we do not respond to him with loving, joyful obedience. We must be willing to cooperate with God as he works within us. Responding in joy and excitement and loyalty, we must work with God as he works within us. Our reason for working with God should not be because otherwise we'll miss heaven. Paul was not teaching that we must work our way to heaven. He was insisting that we must work with God to avoid failure in our lives and in our witness. Paul commanded that we avoid a grumbling and complaining attitude. The pilgrimage of Israel from Egypt to the Promised Land provides the background for this suggestion. A study of the Old Testament reveals that Moses had a complaining attitude at times. The people of Israel's of Israel had a have a consistent performance record of complaining and grumbling and griping and finding fault, not only with God but with Moses and with Aaron. Grumbling and fault finding often indicate the following things. First one is intellectual rebellion against God. Second one is moral rebellion. And the third one is an absence of faith. Fourth one is the absence of love for God and others. 
Fifth is the absence of wisdom. Grumbling does not accomplish anything good at work or at home. Christians accomplish nothing positive by complaining about their circumstances. The sixth thing and the final thing is the absence of concern for others. As we finish up today, the pathway of grumbling and fault finding is the pathway to failure and disappointment. We are to be without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. We cannot find ourselves in that desired state if we give ourselves over to complaining and grumbling all the time. Are you a complainer? Are you a grumbler? Are you a fault finder? Do you complain towards God? Do you whinge about your family situation or whine about your fellow church members? Grumbling is a human fault to which all of us must plead some degree of guilt. Let us recognize today that grumbling is not only a foolish thing to do, but it's also sinful. Let us forsake this negative attitude and the abrasive habit of complaining so that God can accomplish His good purpose within us. And I really want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time, as I do every week. Because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways. Because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And He can make you whole, spirit, soul and body, if you will allow Him to. When it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about, whatever you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings.